Hi, everyone, and welcome to Meet Me Downstairs. I'm your host and fellow mom, Britt, and I'm very excited to be sharing this stage with you. We are going to get real and honest about the different dimensions of postpartum life. We are going to be joined by a mixture of moms and experts in the field to discuss things like getting back into the actual act of sex with your partner, reawakening the joy of intimacy within yourself, the identity shift of motherhood, different ebbs and flows of relationships, and everything else in between. This podcast is dedicated to moms and our core purpose is to make sure that we are always honoring the woman within the mother. This forum is a place for us just to get together and discuss topics that may not be so easy to do in everyday life. So without further ado, let's get to it and I'll meet you downstairs. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today we are talking about pregnancy and birth. And in order to do that, I have found a doula from Grenada. So it's kind of cool because I'm in Barbados and she's from Grenada and we're kind of sharing a Caribbean sisterhood here with doula and motherhood. And I'm so grateful. So today we're joined by Malika Maitland, a Grenadian doula and yoga teacher. And she is very wise and very kind and really does a great job at explaining what a doula is, the importance of that unwavering support and education as you embark through pregnancy and birth, and just incredible inspiration and words of, of wisdom for, for moms and families. So I'm not going to ramble on. I'm just going to head straight into her intro. And please let me know what you guys think about this episode love and light please just introduce yourself and tell us um you know introduce your family and your son you have one washing one son Mm -hmm. but you 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 tell us (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um so my name is malika maitland and um i'm a yoga therapist i'm a pregnancy labor and postpartum doula and i'm a new mama (laughs) Um, and also I still like to keep visual artists somewhere in there, even though the past few years I haven't, I have not really been creating in the same way, but I do use, um, my background in photography when I do like prenatal shoots and just in terms of my business too, like now everything is so visual. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so all those things for me intersect, um, as these tools for providing support for people's experiences at these different stages of their life, you know, yoga therapy is this incredible, it's very much like being a doula in some ways, um, because it's, it's a way of taking the yoga practice and making it specific to the individual's needs or a specific group. So, um, I'm I'm doing my training with Kripalu in in the mm, states. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I finished I finished my course work. Now I'm doing my clinical hours. The yoga therapy training is 800 hours and that's Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's in addition for people who that means nothing. Um essentially your basic yoga teacher training is 200 hours and most mm-hmm. people stick with that. Um but this has been a couple years of going to through 800 additional hours I'm at literally the last few just wrapping up my clinical work which is great um but yeah yoga therapy is about getting specific it's about assessing people's needs assessing the needs of a group so a group might be like mothers experience like pregnant women experiencing anxiety or it might be something like um what else it might be um people who are having joint mobility issues It might be um, a group of people who have experienced a loss of a loved one and who are navigating that. And then we take the yoga practice and or we take all these tools from yoga and somatics and Ayurveda and, you know, look at the whole person and um, see what tools we can bring in 
to support bringing more balance back into their life. And I think that's great because there's just so many, again, it's like doula work. There's so many tools out there for birth, but can you, you know, having a guide that can help you move through that and also be accountable too. Um, and then, yeah, that really being in yoga, like I was saying when we were talking earlier, led me into doula work because I, I was offering prenatal yoga classes at my studio. Um, and yeah, this, I think this journey has been amazing. Spice Harmony Yoga has been open for a it's going to be a decade in January, which is insane. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What an accomplishment. Yeah. And we're the only studio in Grenada that's not based at a hotel, um, which is wonderful. We're actually upstairs my mom's medical practice. And that is in the community where my dad is originally from and where I spent my, the first years of my life before I moved to the States. So it's really embedded in the community, which is so, so, so special um, to create a space where it's just a range of different people can come and feel supported has been really wonderful. And um, to then be able to, you know, extend my support further into hospitals and home births here too has been, has been really amazing. That's wonderful. I feel like we have so much in common, actually, just as I hear you speak because I'm also a yoga teacher but I I only have my 200 hour mm-hmm. um but I have a a practice here in in Barbados and um That's you know amazing. Barbados Grenada mm-hmm. we both have sons yeah <laughs> you know I'm like oh you sound like me same same but different <laughs> I want to just bring it back to doula first and foremost just like letting people know what that role is and what a doula is because we kind of chatted about it here and there so far but I just want to like solidify it for for those who are listening like what does a doula do yeah so a doula the most simple answer is a birth companion our role is really to be this kind of all-encompassing support I see myself as a space holder you know I from the time that somebody brings me onto their um, birth or, you know, has hires me as their doula, my, I feel like my whole role is to be there as a sounding board, as a, a place where they can get reaffirmation, a place where they can get access to evidence-based information. Because yes, there's a lot of information out there, but it's a lot of anecdotal information as well, where people, lovely, that's amazing. It's great that people are sharing their experience on blogs and YouTube, but having, you know, access to evidence-based information is always helpful. Also in terms of navigating the medical system, because I think a lot of people feel intimidated by the hospital. It's all very, um, you know, it's a lot. You, you are thrust into an environment that's unfamiliar, even a small hospital, you know, it just is not your home environment. So to be doing something like preparing for birth, which is something that we feel kind of already out of control or it's unknown, even if we've done it before, it's always full of unknowns. And also to have to be thrust in this environment and to have to navigate all kinds of different staff and their moods and whims and beliefs and practices, having somebody by your side for that is priceless. I show up to just remind people of their power um, and to give them tools to be able to access it and lean into it, whether that's during their pregnancy, um, during their births, and also after. Yeah. That's a wonderful description, I think. And when I was um, having my son, we went back and forth, my partner and I, on whether we wanted a, a doula. And we did some some classes with a doula who was in Barbados. I mean, the field was limited; like we didn't really have many options to choose from. And and she was she was wonderful, but I don't think we realize the importance of what a doula does in that moment. And I, I think I, 
I will just share a little bit of my birth story because I unorthodoxly had a doula-ish <laughs> come in. <laughs> so I wanted to have a totally natural birth. Um, I got six hours in and ended up having an epidural, which I felt really guilty about, but it also allowed me to be at peace because I was in a total ball of stress and then I had it and then I was able to relax and then um you know for me and my partner it's our first baby so you know he didn't know what was happening he was trying lovely lovingly and wonderfully to support me um but neither of us really knew what was going on and then I was about nine centimeters and my mom called my dad who was at work really really close by to the hospital I was delivering at and he came over and he kind of came into the room and he could see that like my partner Christian and I were um you know like not really sure what was happening and nine centimeters like things like kick up a notch you're like getting ready your body is hot like things are moving and so he kind of sat beside me and he started coaching me with breath and for the first time, I felt like I had I maybe control of the situation. I felt powerful. I felt like I knew what my body was doing. I was connecting to my body. I was connecting to like the idea of birth. And his words and his coaching was the shift from sort of like a wild, not sure what's going on experience. So it shifted into this really centered space. And the my OB was like okay we're getting to the point where you're probably going to want to feel like you want to push and I looked at my dad and I just said please don't go and he said I'm not going anywhere I'm here with you and Christian just like kind of leaned over and he was like thank god like we have somebody here who is just here to support to provide as you said space to give me tools and techniques that you know, when you're in in that energy of labor, I feel like you don't really know what's happening. There's like a sense of, I'm not even sure the, the right word, but I don't even know if I, my mind was working correctly. Like things are, are happening so quickly. So to yeah, have someone there. Your mind to, was working correctly for what it needed to do. Exactly, yes. you drop into this state of presence and like bodily connection where those thoughts about logistics and things and like Mm -hmm. a sense of control unless you had you know you needed that intervention in that moment because I'm sure there were many points leading up to that that were more easeful and you found a rhythm and you were able to um you know even just breathe through a few of, especially the earlier contractions that were mm-hmm. lighter. But, you know, as things do get hotter, that person who is helping you to reconnect to your sense of um, a rhythm or a ritual is so helpful. Actually, that is such a beautiful, beautiful story with your dad. Um, yeah. Because that is what we had all along. You know, historically, we weren't kind of cordoned off away from our community for birth in that way. So you can imagine that, you know, families supported each other through this. Um, We were home, we were in the community and we, people, children, men, women had a sense of what was happening and were prepared. I think even we don't even know what birth looks like. And also we beat ourselves up about having a natural birth or having a this and you know, all birth is natural. For me, that is such a beautiful sentiment. And I I always reaffirm it because whatever choice you made um, was your choice to make. And it helped you to get to the next stage, just like your dad helped you. You know, these were all tools that you made the decision to use. That was everything I needed to to understand the power of a doula or the power of support and somebody who had knowledge because he helped my mom birth two children mm-hmm. and he's a dentist as well. So he's used to, you know, caring for people. So he has this sort of like figure of comfort in scenarios that are maybe a bit more stressful. Yeah. So yeah, it was incredible. And then I decided very recently 
after, you know, having my son and realizing that there is so much need of postpartum support as well to becoming a doula, everything just sort of like lined up. And then, of course, like being able to speak with you and you also happen to be a doula of the company that I'm now doing my training with. I was like, things are just lining up right now. It's incredible to see how like spirit just put things in place. And, you know, having this this podcast. This podcast that you're doing to kind of nurture is the phrase nurture the woman and the mother or the mother yeah honor the woman and the mother yeah honor the woman and the mother because you know we have children and it's one thing that happens in our life but we are still these women who are seeking to support one another and be curious about our experience and understand it more deeply um and yeah so it's it's really been a gift for me to to sit alongside women and to be there either you know it's interesting because some people have a really empowered birth partner and not to say that your this is not to say your partner wasn't empowered to reference back to that but just rather you know like they're 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 keeping it cool but they need support too regardless mm-hmm. of um you know your partner's intent or you know your mom or whoever is there with you you know, having an additional person who also has a level of distance, but also intimacy. So I'm more connected to you than the hospital staff ostensibly, right? Like yeah. I know you a little more. I'm, I've been in your home. We've been working together. We've been building these practices for you. And then, um, but I'm also a little bit more removed than your partner, your loved one who might see you in pain and feel that in a visceral way and also be exhausted from being with you in labor throughout. So it's so, it's just, you know, teamwork. I think that's the beautiful thing about a doula, even in the context where a person is like, you know, I have a really supportive partner and I have, you know, a good family support system you know, treating yourself to somebody who can also help you advocate for yourself, because we know that birth is still a contested space, you know, Um, it is this strange thing that is very medicalized right now, Mm -hmm. which means that it's kind of, it, it's, hmm, what's the best way? It's kind of sterile in yeah, a way or yeah you know, like really it's clinical yeah the image i had was like a white box it's kind of being shoved into the hospital room sterilized and also tried to fit into the schedule of a hospital because you know one of the things that you have is that your birth may last over the change of shift at the hospital and so having um a doula or just your birth support there is that consistency that is helpful if a new nurse comes on you might like her more you might like her less or it just might you know just be a shift that can make you um already feel even more unsteady in a situation where like you said it's being sterilized and pulled out of the intimacy of home because that's what we really need initially which is the big advice that we often give is like stay home and labor as long as possible so that you can get you know you can get into a rhythm and your body can really get into a rhythm of contractions before you pick up and kind of juggle yourself into the hospital and get into the fluorescent lights you know it's good to actually get things going quite a bit before you do that yeah and um, maybe we can just get into a little bit of pregnancy. We don't have to go into like crazy detail, but um, just maybe a brief overview of kind of what's happening within the body of a woman, because it's incredible, the changes that you're going through, even just on a physical level. There's so many other dimensions to it, but physically you're changing like crazy at a really fast pace too to encompass this body like yeah it's unbelievable I mean you know in your first trimester one of the big cardiovascular things that happens is that your blood volume increases a lot I mean it can increase up to 40 percent or more um and that also increases your heart rate because your heart has to now deal with almost double the amount of blood volume that you usually have, which when I first found that out, I thought that was really 
unbelievable. That's also part of, you know, um, just feeling like you need to pee all the time. You have a lot of extra liquid in your body that gets processed, you know, um, through your kidneys. And so you also have to like cycle that fluid out. Um, and so that's, that's a major thing that happens initially. Also progesterone is, you know, one of the big engines of pregnancy and elevated progesterone, elevated metabolism, um, raise your body temperature throughout your pregnancy. You know, your hormones are obviously all over the place because you are essentially turning on new software in your body to now 3d print a new life Mm, Um, i love that (laughs) that's like that's that's how i think of it you know i'm like you this is exactly what's happening and so of course you know that comes with a lot of highs and lows you know recently with a group of uh women in my community here we were talking about why is it that women wait before they tell people that they're pregnant? You know, mm-hmm. I, I was I was shedding light on the fact that it's often because there's this idea that, well, since miscarriages are more common in the first trimester, it's better not to tell people. Um, and the initial reference was somebody telling their mom. And the point that I was making was that that's, you know, the reasoning, but I believe that it's so important because miscarriages are way more common than we talk about. Um, It's important to tell your support system, you know, tell the people that you would be comfortable telling that you had a miscarriage, tell the people that you would want to support you through that. But I also think it's really beautiful when people who have a platform are comfortable and sharing because um, and sharing their experiences with miscarriage and demystifying that. That's not everybody's path. You know, some of us are a little bit more open and more of the storytellers, you know, um, or the oral historians, if you will. And that's not everybody's place, but it's important to break that stigma because, you know, there can be this real, these deep ideas that, that, that you are inadequate, that your body's inadequate, but this is a natural process that happens and it can be really emotionally trying. Um, and I don't think that that should just be something that a couple or individual deals with on their own. Uh, so I want to advocate for people making sure to, to start to rally their, um, network of support from early, from early in the pregnancy. Um, let's see what else is important to think about in that early time. Uh, oh, you know, Latham in her book, um, Latham Thomas, who's the Thomas is how we would say here. Yeah, that sounds very Caribbean. <laughs> um, but Latham Thomas in her book called Mama Glow, she actually, uh, mentioned something where she says, you know, when we resolve our emotional matters, eruptions at the surface are less frequent. So yes, there's going to be a lot of emotional stuff in the first trimester. You know, we're probably wondering, is this a good time to have a baby? Uh, is this the right person? Uh, am I the right person? You know, there's so many things that come up in those early days. And so when we kind of take the time to wade through some of that do the journaling do the talking through so that it's not that you just ignore that and continue into the pregnancy without starting to look at those questions that you're having you know because uh, I think there's a pressure especially with social media perhaps to perform a happy happy pregnancy yeah. and happy baby life and you know I guess if you don't read the captions many pages can just look really happy. I think that's the case sometimes with my page. I'm like, look at these beautiful pictures of like family life. But if you actually read what I'm writing, you know, I'm really trying, attempting to speak to some of the complexity because it is not easy. So, you know, um, that can really come up in the early stages and then morning sickness. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a whole other thing. But it's actually just want to touch on what you, you're talking about there because I actually have a friend who's currently pregnant and she was saying she's in her second 
the end of coming toward the end of her second trimester now, but in her first trimester, and I actually had the same experience. She was saying that she felt depressed and she was like, I've been trying to have a baby. I'm so excited to be pregnant, like so happy, but I was depressed. Like didn't understand like why, you know, I wasn't feeling connected to my body. I wasn't feeling connected to the baby. I kept feeling like really bummed out and you know, she felt super guilty that this was happening in her experience after having wanted it so badly. And I was just saying, you know, the amount of hormones that are surging through your body right now, of course, you're going to be feeling things that aren't shiny and bright all the time. And everybody's experience is different. But it's just so important what you just said to you know, be able to shine a light on some of the not so glowy moments because those happen so often too. And there's no reason to feel any sort of like shame about that as well. Exactly. And, um, you know, anxiety and depression in pregnancy is also really common. We hear a lot more about postpartum depression than pregnancy depression. Yeah. It absolutely happens. I, I felt really anxious um, at certain points in my first trimester because I wasn't having morning sickness because I wasn't really having any symptoms and, um, you know, you're not feeling any reassuring movement. So I was like, is everything okay? Is everything yeah. okay? I had moments like that for sure. And also strangely, I remember have, have crying on the phone with my grandmother and I didn't even know I was feeling this. I, I was like, you know, we got pregnant just on one single infinitesimal try <laughs> one try after yeah. you know like we've been together for a long time and we decided to try and it was one try and I was like who am I with all these people who are trying who've had miscarriages like you know miscarriages are so common you know almost like having too much birth information in that first trimester mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and all kinds of weird guilt and all kinds of weird like ominous feeling so you know there's so many different things that can come up and sometimes it's strictly physical your body is resetting to do something that it your whole life has gone by and it has never turned on this software necessarily maybe it has right like it may not be your first pregnancy it may not be your first um birth but you know, your body has to make a huge shift that it doesn't usually do on a day-to-day basis. So we can expect that that's going to create some feelings. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, things that help us through that and through other common, common, um, like challenges like fatigue and morning sickness and um, yeah, the emotions, all that we can lean into practices that make us feel good and not everybody's practice is yoga some people's practice is going on a walk. Some people's practice is going to the beach. Some people's practice is, you know, reading good books. Um, but lean into the things that help to, to soothe you and to the things that you really enjoy because this is a time to, to, to gift yourself as much as you can. That's how I felt. I actually did my the latest doula training that I did I did it when I was pregnant with Samori. I was in my second trimester, I think, about to be in my third. And um, it was really a beautiful thing to do for myself, to surround myself in that energy at that time and to think about the experience of pregnancy and birth as a learning. I actually think I, I had a home birth and my mom was there, my midwife, my husband and um after I gave birth one of the first things my mom said is and now your doula training is complete (laughs) isn't that amazing (laughs) that was your initiation yeah and you know there are great doulas out there who have never had kids um, yeah but it's so so helpful to have that first-hand experience you know it's only one experience among many my birth was different from every other birth I've been to, but, um, yeah, it was really powerful, uh, to, to have that as part of my repertoire of information. Absolutely. It's, and it just, I feel like it also just provides a little bit of comfort too, to know that the person that's supporting you knows she's done it. 
Like this, yeah. you know, she's been there. Not that, of course, you can also be a wonderful doula having not had children. But I just mean like it's nice to know you have that, you know, camaraderie within yeah. and the experience. People do ask. Um, they do tend to ask that if I have kids, if they don't know me. But um, the other thing that just came to mind was actually that when I was eight months pregnant <laughs> like literally the month before I gave birth uh I I had two doula clients back to back <laughs> and it was such a powerful experience but it was also hard um it was one gave birth on like the Monday and the other one was like Thursday or the Friday wow. and um I knew they were both close but I didn't you know, I didn't know it would happen like that. But, you know, what was interesting about that experience is one was in the public hospital here, the general hospital, and the other one was in the private hospital. And they both were very different experiences. Um, you know, the thing about the public hospital is that it's bigger. There's a lot more people. Usually um, the maternity ward has a mixture of people who are they're under observation, so they're earlier in their pregnancy. They may be having some challenges. Women who are kind of in early labor or were and then, you know, now have been stalled from going down too early, so they're waiting to pick up again. And then women who are in active labor. And then in active labor, there's also a smaller room called the labor room, but it's more like an examination room, realistically. Um, because there's not space to actually do the laboring. It, there's three examination beds and little, you know, curtained areas. And then there's the delivery room where you do your pushing. And in the general hospital here, it's midwives who deliver, which is great. Um, that's wonderful. And I find them generally really open and receptive. Um, and I think there's a lot of room for advocacy on on my part in terms of bridging the gap between mothers and families and the birthing institution and there's a lot of receptivity at the moment so I'm hoping that we can slowly advocate for change and space for families to be there and support um, their birthing women but also that they have support because the staff there doesn't have time to be dueling people necessarily. You know, the nurses have to see a lot of people. So a doula can be an asset at, in the hospital because it's somebody to provide that emotional support that actually helps move labor along more quickly and efficiently. Um, and or can really ease up the staff in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a nice like point to make too. Cause I mean, there's also incredible stats that go along with how positive doula experience can be for the birthing mother as well. But yeah, I mean, just providing that layer of support and also information, because as you said, these hospital staffs are so busy, you know, they have multiple things going, going on and, um, can't answer every question all the time. So also having someone there who's really well educated in the experience of birth too, that's incredible. Definitely. And, um, you know, I think in that case, my role was more of being the hands-on person. This young woman's grandmother was there and her boyfriend was there, but their relationship was new. So it was harder to um, have her feel like she could lean into that. Like, so my role was really hands-on supporting and reinforcing that she just knew what she was doing and she could do this. And it was great. In the other birth that I did that same week that I was pregnant, um, it was up at the private hospital. And this is a mom who, this is her and her husband's um, like third child, fourth child. And, you know, they're seasoned at this, but um, their experience was, you know, their doctor kind of pressured them into being induced. And um, it, it was it was rough because um, he induced her, but also then he kind of just hovered in the waiting room and popping in and, you know, and many times women are induced and they go home. Like it can take a while. It, it, isn't, it isn't a given that just because you have um, attempted to start labor that the labor is going to then 
start. You know, the body needs time because this isn't the timing that it had in mind. And so um, that was really challenging, especially for a mom who has been through this. So she knows her body. So a lot of my role in that case was, you know, um, kind of being like a buffer and trying to hold space and provide tools because I realized that one of the big advice that's given in in my experience here in the hospitals is walk, 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 walk. And yes, walking is a very simple and efficient way to um, move labor along. However, there are multiple things that you can do with your body, moving, swaying, lunges. There's so much that you can do on your own with a partner. You don't need to have a giant birth ball with you. Um, there's just other movements or even just being able to walk outside, being able to sit and have your feet massaged so that you can relax a little bit and relaxing helps open your cervix, relaxing helps baby drop down and feel at ease. Um, and I felt that in my, in that birth experience, I really was playing that role of protecting her from the energy of rush that this doctor Mm. was trying to put on her. Um, and and that was difficult. It was difficult to experience that because I, in my mind, I was like, "Oh, this just happens in the states, <laughs> right?" And and it, it's happening everywhere. You know, the the culture of hospitalization and birth is a global phenomenon, and it's, you know, there's different things going on, obviously. But um, it I felt that I felt the way that this was his timing he had an expectation of how the birth should go and how quickly it should happen. Um, and that wasn't, yeah. um, and for me doing those two hospital births really affirmed that I wanted to do a home birth. And I was so grateful that in my case, the midwife who my mother used for my two youngest siblings had just returned to Grenada after working for, basically a decade or more with Doctors Without Borders training and working with midwives um, around the world. And she had just resettled back in Grenada. And I was her first birth here in about a decade or so. It was really, really special to work with her and know, have the reassurance that my mother, who was a physician herself, had chose to have these home births and birthing center births with this woman. And now I was having the opportunity to do that. It was really special. And I think for me, it was very intimate having my partner and having the ability to really be with him. And one thing that happens in the general hospital here and in in other hospitals globally is that you can't always have your support with you um, throughout, you know, whether it's space issues and also that your partner, if they can be there, that they feel like they have the tools to support you. And I think a big part of my role, you know, when someone's partner is present in their life and is somebody that they want to be actively a part of the birth, my role is to give them tips on how to assess mama to make sure she's good. One of the simple things that you can do is to check in with you know, is she in rhythm? Like when she's working through a contraction, is her movement really erratic and all over the place? Or is there something rhythmic about how she's rocking, how she's tapping herself, how she's, you know, breathing? Rhythm is an indication that, you know, um, she's coping more than if she were like really all over, you know, and that's, that's one simple sign. Um, Actually, one book that I love is called The Birth Partner by Penny Simkin. And she talks about the three R's. Rhythm is one of them. That So women who kind of cope well through their birth, three things are they tend to have in common. Their coping style is characterized by rhythm. They're able to relax, especially, you know, in early parts of labor, that can be more possible. Um, even during contractions, you can still kind of stay pretty relaxed usually Uh, but as as labor goes on at least your ability to relax between contractions you know to to let go to surrender to pause to literally even take that five minute nap I definitely had moments near the end of labor 
I think, because it all becomes such a blur where I was dozing off, you know, just for a little bit at a time because you're trying to gather your energy for that, those last key moments. Um, so rhythm, relaxation, like being able to relax and then ritual and ritual comes in. So, you know, when I'm working with clients, there might be something or things that we do in prep that they really like, like they might like leaning, like standing with their partner and leaning and rocking as their kind of ritual through some contractions, or they might moan, you know, it might be more moaning, or there might be like a type of breathing technique that they really found was calming. And we can kind of find a similar pattern of breathing during um, some contractions or affirmations. Like those can all be rituals that ahead of time you find uh, a connection to. And in the early parts of labor, those can be easy to whip out. But what happens naturally as labor progresses is that you, as we were saying earlier, you drop into this state of consciousness and, you know, your brainwave shift and you are able to tap in intuitively to what you need. So your rituals might change from that affirmation that you swore you would say throughout your whole birth to, you know, you breathing in time with, you know, a, a certain count or to you making circles with your hips on your hands and knees, you know, it, it shifts. And, and being able to basically see ritual as these repeated, this repeated use of rhythmic activity during contractions when we as birth partners look at that, we're not going in and disrupting that. We're just following their lead. Whatever she wants to do, she's doing it. Um, and unless she wants to lay down too much, then my role is to <laughs> listen. Do you want this baby out? Because <laughs> we got to get some movement. Like let's get, let's get gravity on our side. Let's stand up for a bit. Let's walk. Let's stretch. Let's put on some music. You know. Um, but yeah, but either way, I'm taking her lead. And another little kind of sign in terms of you as a birth partner, whether you're a doula or, you know, um, there as a support is taking her lead in terms of the tone and the vibe. So in the early parts, she might be easily distracted, wanting to maybe watch a movie and just breathe with the little contractions, wanting to talk or connect with people and say, yeah, you know, I'm starting to, uh, so you might be in that flow alongside your birthing partner. Then once she is quiet, <laughs> do not talk, <laughs> you know, once she is, you know, taking the mood in a different direction, we all just follow that mood. And that's also really supportive energetically. It just lets, it's a, it's a very subtle way of letting someone know that you're, you are, tapped into them and assessing and they're supporting their needs so that you're not in the corner having a side conversation you know even if somebody else is holding her hand in that moment um yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing too because i remember this is like one of the things where i was like you guys lied to me when i was doing my uh birth classes because you know uh she was sort of saying you know, the contractions are probably going to come in like, you know, 10 minutes apart at the beginning and you'll totally be able to relax. It'll be really easy. You can talk through them and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, that was not my experience from the first contraction. It went two minutes apart the entire time. I was like, why did we do these birth classes? She said I was gonna she said I was gonna do this and she was like, You could probably watch a movie on Netflix and I'm like, This is ridiculous, this is every two minutes <laughs> I remember talking to my mom and she was like, Yep, that's how my birth went and I was like, Great, this is fantastic. Why did I know this before? <laughs> yeah, I really want to it's it's sometimes difficult because we want to speak in these broad sweeping brushes and I try to catch myself because you're so right you know every birth is so different one of the big things that 
I probably should have listened to my mom on is when my contractions started, I, oh, my, I escalated quickly too. I don't think I had very long stretches between my contractions. I, I again, cannot remember. It's been over <laughs> My biology is already trying to tell me to make another baby. Yeah. So, um, I have to like, I have to look at my notes to know, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, for me, I, my mother was like, okay, go and sleep. She's like, get some rest now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but you're so, I was so excited. Um, you know, you're, I feel like your adrenaline probably goes through the roof because, you know, it's this moment that you've been like kind of anticipating for a minute. So I did not nap. I should have gone my butt to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, I made it through. Yeah, night, you do. It's so interesting because a lot of births happen over the night was yours yeah it it started well it started at 2 30 a.m that was when it first started and then i had him at three in the afternoon yeah a lot of birth a a large part of it tends to be at night um is there a reason for that yeah well you know one of the things that gets said about that is it's again this this desire to be cocooned to be safe and cozy and calm you know in the night things are calm it's not a bunch of like hustle and bustle around you um the energy is just more relaxed and yeah i think there's you know we we see it with animals too you know they find a den the the little you know we have cats or dogs that would like go under the veranda and that's where they would you know you're looking for that coziness and i feel like the nighttime thing um, has to do with that on an energetic level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would wonder too if there's like some biological reason why you know the hormones tip at that time. Perhaps, yeah. But that's quite. I didn't even think about it in that in that way that everything is soft and quiet and probably like a nurturing space for your baby to want to come out in. That totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's. I one uh, the last birth that I went to. I arrived and, you know, it, it started to kick up in the night. And so I got there in the wee hours of the morning before sunrise. But I remember pulling up into the parking lot and looking up into the hospital window, because um, this was at the private hospital, so they had a room. I looked up and it's like in the beautiful, like pre, like dust, is it dust? No, like dawn, like dawn. Sunlight, you know, dawn time. This just blasting fluorescent. <laughs> Mm-hmm. out this window so one of the first things I did once I checked in with them you know and saw how they were doing and all that was to say you know can I turn off the lights and turning off the lights and I have these little electric candles like you know yep. creating a vibe um in the room just I could feel the energy relax even more no one no one feels great in fluorescent lighting no no, and you know what was amazing? I know, I know, I keep referencing back to my birth story, but it anyway, don't mind. <laughs> but um, I, I was in. I mean, I didn't. I had the epidural at six hours, and it was two. It was two minutes apart for each, like, like for each contraction, and my water had broken at home, like right away. And when I went in, um, there he had pooped in me so I had to be like hooked up to all this stuff so I couldn't like walk around and do all this whatever and the contractions were so intense I just kept watching them climb on the monitor and it would freak me out that it would go so high anyways all this to say that once I had gotten the epidural and I was able to like have space to think I realized like part of my birth plan which was to dim the lights and I had spent hours curating a podcast uh, not a podcast a playlist of music for me to play but we the speaker was in the car like I didn't even think to like bring these tools that I had out and and then it wasn't until I had time to like think about it that I did so we got the hospital they actually had dimmers in their um, laboring room which was cool so they dimmed the lights um, I brought my Bluetooth speaker out 
I put on my playlist and everything shifted. But just as you said, like creating that mood, creating that vibe, like when my son was born and like also with the help of my dad who just like coached me through, it was such like a euphoric state. Like, I mean, we were crying, but it was all just amazing. Like after the after that shift, I would say, I mean, all of it was a positive birth experience. But if I had not had that experience of the of the shift, so to speak, I don't think I would look back on it in the way that I do now. Yeah. And that, you know, the support is so key for that. You being able to be held in that way um, is just allows you to look back and feel so empowered feels so um supported and it really has a can have a long-term effect on our self-esteem our sense of ourselves as mothers uh to have that moment and and then i think what happens after that moment is also so important because it's such a high i remember the high of the birth you know and that those moments after and the immediate days after just the joy that was overflowing Mm -hmm. for me and then day four hit and my milk started to come in and I just bawled my eyes out yeah and and it was my midwife was like oh yeah you know um baby blues completely normal usually comes with the milk like that hormone shift um often triggers it and it was so wonderful to just have the knowledge um that she had and also my husband was talking to my mom and they just had a network of support to say, listen, cry your eyes out for a few days. If you feel like it, we're here and you know, we're monitoring the situation. And I was able to just have, it was just a few days of being kind of like, I just feel sad, you know? And it was actually, it felt, it felt like an important part of the process. It's almost like, you know, you have to birth the placenta. Mm -hmm. It just felt like, being released to clear the way for this new stage of my journey that's how it felt for me yeah. now that's not in the moment I was always feeling that way like this is my journey this is wonderful no I was actually <laughs> sad, but I also felt comfortable in that because I knew I was okay when you're not aware that it can it is very common to get baby blues for a few days um you know after you've given birth you know, up to two weeks sometimes. And that's totally normal within the realm of normal. You know, when it goes on for longer, then we definitely want to seek intervention. But knowing that that's okay actually allows you to not freak out <laughs> because yeah. you're just like, okay, this is normal. <laughs> this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's so emotional, that postpartum phase too. I mean, it's, I remember the first day we came home from the hospital and um, my my partner's mom and sister were here and they had like balloons and stuff. And I was like, I need them out of this house. Like right now I came into the bedroom. I had um, my son in the car seat and I just placed him down on the ground and I just cried. I was like, Oh my gosh, we're home now. We don't have the support of the hospital staff. I just felt so overwhelmed. Like, how are we going to do this on our own? And it was, it was such a pivotal moment for me, just realizing like the vulnerability of motherhood sometimes, you know, there's just so much rawness, especially then it's like an open, it is, it's a fresh open wound and you're, you have to treat it with care and know that sometimes it burns and sometimes it hurts and it's not just going to heal right away. There's a total experience you have to go through. Um, and yeah, and there were a few, a few moments for me, the first four weeks were definitely hardest there was lots of joy sprinkled in but there was definitely like some really hard-hitting moments where I was like brought to my knees you know absolutely and again you know first of all just the power of sharing that I'm, I'm happy that you keep referring back to your birth story because it's such a great um you know fertile fertile ground for discussion because yeah. you know birth is just so unique for everyone and yet there are these similarities that we need to know about so that we don't feel completely alone you know our body is doing so many things and and also I think on an energetic level 
first of all, mo many, 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 many cultures traditionally see that fourth trimester as a very important sacred period. So that yeah. those three months following birth. And it's there are so many practices around, a lot of them center actually around warming the mother. So these practices that, that create warmth in her body and her being, a sense of supportedness, so, you know, there's belly binding, that's also about holding and warming, there's yoni steaming, there's, you know, the kinds of foods that you're supposed to eat, these like, you know, grounding, warming soups and things that are nourishing because it is such a tender time. And we have been growing this being inside of our bodies that is now has left basically one of the safest places, probably the safest place it's ever going to be, even though there's anxieties around, is everything okay in there? But you know, you're carrying them in you. Everything's cool now. And you didn't have to do it. It's not like we had to build them consciously, right? Yeah. And now they're outside <laughs> of us and we're like, okay, so I have to change your diapers. I have to make sure you're fed. I have to make sure like you know, these sounds that you're making are normal. I have to make sure you're breathing in your crib. Like they're so still sometimes that it's like, okay. You know, I mean, it's, it is a whole lifelong project that we have gone through a pretty intense experience to hand ourselves this project for life. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> All of that is oscillating. Oh, yes, there's a lot happening in that time. And, and I think, like I said, knowledge is power. Um, knowing that that is, you know, part of the process for many women, I think is so important. And being able to have support for breastfeeding, because that can mm. also be challenging um, for many women or whatever feeding. I mean, I obviously am advocating for breast milk for at least the first six months, but what fed is really best. Yeah. Um, but I do think as in some places in the Caribbean, there is definitely needs to be a shift back oh, to breast is best in terms of, or breast is important, you know, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's still this idea that the package thing is somehow superior. We kind of have this importation mentality that got ingrained over the years that we're still working through um and a lot of people got sold on that you know that's the formula um became something that was really marketed as superior option and um yeah you know the science tells us differently i think it's important that women have support to at least explore the option and to have the tools to troubleshoot if there are issues with latching or um you know sometimes babies are tongue-tied or you know things that can come up around positioning that can help support and having the right tools having the right nipple ointments or you know nipple yeah. shields you need to just give you a fighting chance so that you can you're more likely to go with it because breastfeeding is not easy it takes no. time and effort it's incredible too just like that experience i mean i just think of my my friend is i think maybe two weeks um postpartum and she just had to go in today for surgery for mastitis she had oh i just it was, she sent me a photo today of her boob, of her breast, and it was an abscess from mastitis that she'd gotten so badly. And I just was like, I'm just thinking, I've been thinking about her all day long. And it's so in, early in the process. So early. And I feel, I don't know. Um, oh, that's unfortunate. And I just know. as we do, so it's just, yeah, that's a lot. I'm sending a lot of love to her. It's so great. You know, we... I think one of the things that draws us into this birth work is, you know, we're at this stage in our life where we're, we are and are surrounded by birthing people. Mm -hmm. And so it, it actually opens a world that I didn't even really know knew existed 10 years ago. Absolutely. Um, you know, so I think that that's also really interesting how, how the focus of our work and the way that we're supporting each other is also a reflection of where we are in our lives and then it can come from a really authentic place definitely well i mean it's been incredible to to speak with you <laughs> and there's just so much to this 
topic and um you know i think we could go on for forever about this which i which i love because there's such passion throughout this you know support of of birthing women like it's just so so amazing um but i want to just close like tie a nice little bow to the end of this conversation and just like hand it over to you if there's any you know final pieces of advice that you just want to share with moms who are in the expecting phase or recently postpartum and then just like anything that you'd like to highlight for yourself as well please do I'll pass on like one of the main pieces of, of advice that um, I got from my mom as a woman who's birthed four children and as somebody who's also a yoga teacher and also a physician for her to tell me during my pregnancy that my, the most important thing that I can do is to really take care of myself emotionally through the process you know, we can focus so much on what we eat and how much we exercise and what side of our body, you know, what side should we sleep on and all this stuff. But the, the heart of it is taking care of yourself so that you are creating an environment that is as healthy and balanced as possible energetically, emotionally for your baby to grow in, but also that you're building up your internal world of support, your internal sense of support, um, so that you have that resource as you move through this huge transition in your body and in your life. Um, also reaching outward, you know, reaching outward and not being afraid to ask for support. I think there's this strange pressure that we get to do it all, all the time and to be able to have everything done, um, ourselves but whether it's hiring a doula and now you know so many of us including myself have made our virtual options um, more available because I've been doing virtual doula work here and there for clients who are in the states and not based here but now it's you know there's so much more that's virtual so whether it's reaching out to someone to be there virtually or just prepare you heading up, leading up to it, you know, give you some tools um, so that you are able to reach out and ask for what you need because you have a better sense of what it is that you might need. Um, so yeah, those are my pieces of advice, building up the internal and the external support and knowing that your main job is just to stay as calm and easy as you can um and yeah in terms of highlighting things that are going on with me I don't even know what's happening with me <laughs> <laughs> or if anybody is looking for virtual doula work well yeah exactly <laughs> you know I'm, I'm always available to do a free phone consult get a feel you know what we call a doula interview just get a feel for our vibe together you know what your big concerns and goals are see um what availability around your birth looks like but um i have options for packages that include uh prenatal and postpartum so i'm not on call for your birth specifically uh, this is like the virtual option, yeah. right? And, mm -hmm. Or I am on call for your birth and I can chime in via video or message or chat um, throughout to just give, you know, tips for comfort measures to help support you in advocating for yourself and your experience to help you to keep your birth plan in mind, but also stay flexible because, you know, our role is to support in developing birth plans, but it's also to help you stay resilient and able to, to, to navigate decision-making and know that whatever your choice you make is the right choice for you. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be offering virtual doula support and, and just really, excited to see how birth is evolving um globally as more people are leaning into what has really been the way that we've birthed throughout our you know lifetime as human beings which is in community and with support that isn't that amazing how in a way we are circling back to how it all started <laughs> yeah. 
to be doing a lot of that as human beings of coming yes. back to the of, you know, this is how we were feeding ourselves. <laughs> this is how we were birthing. This is how we were, you know, connecting as a community and treating one another or, and also still trying to do better than what we've done in the past as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to connect and, and start this conversation. As you said, there's just so much, but um, yeah, I hope that that gives people a taste of what it's like to, you know, have a doula as part of your support team, but also tips so that you and your birth partner can really connect to one another through the process and feel like you have some tools to move through it with as much ease as is available. <laughs> yes. I mean, thank you. It's been such a pleasure to just have this space to talk to you and your your beautiful words and your honesty it's amazing so thank you so 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 much for your time thank you thank you <laughs> it warms my heart every week to see all of the amazing countries that are represented in our listening it's amazing that i get to connect with all of you through different stories of mothers and I can't wait to continue to bring incredible stories to you. If you're really enjoying these episodes, I really hope that you'll subscribe and leave a review because I love, 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 love to hear what you guys think. And also if you have suggestions, feel free to leave them or DM me on Instagram. It's a community that we're building and it's one that I'm so incredibly proud of. Thank you so, so much for your support. And I can't wait to continue to build our relationship episode by episode. I'll see you next week.